So I recently think that I realized that I might play too much fantasy football. You you just am, are having this revelation now. Well, like, like I'm on Twitter, Discord, and I, I have a podcast that you're listening to right now. But I came to this realization in maybe like the weirdest way possible, right? Um, I usually do like a lot of my fantasy quote unquote work at night. And last night I was like, you know what? I'm going to be responsible. I'm going to go to bed early. I'm going to fix my sleep schedule. You know, everything like that. Same stuff everybody says every night ever. And then they're up till, you know, 3 a.m. <laughs> on TikTok or whatever. Um, That's you, Vert. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but last night was different in that I went to bed early and I had a fantasy football nightmare. A fantasy football uh, nightmare? Oh, my God. A nightmare. You have so to. So I've had a dream before. You know, I've had a dream before about fantasy football. Before the 2018 season, I had a dream, you know, and a lot of people had mentioned his name as a breakout tight end candidate, but I had a dream about George Kittle breaking out. And I drafted George Kittle in my our main Discord league, and I was like, and it worked out, obviously, he ended up breaking out that year and, you know, was super productive. And so I've dreamed about fantasy football before. And, like, I'm no stranger to nightmares. You know, I, I have them rather frequently, actually. The last night, my nightmare was I, I was going into Monday night, and I was winning no matter what. My opponent had no more starter slots, right? And suddenly, in the middle of the game, <laughs> a ghost caught a touchdown, <laughs> <laughs> a ghost caught a touchdown and he this ghost was in an invisible spot on my opponent's roster and i know how stupid this sounds i have no idea what it means but like i argued with the commissioner and i'm like that's not fair he had a ghost that caught a touchdown and like that shouldn't be in his starting roster and, and it, it somehow counted I, I just and like that's when i kind of like woke up and i was like that was the stupidest dream i've ever had i my mind is way too much on fantasy football this can't be healthy i just had a dream that a ghost caught a touchdown and i lost in a fantasy football matchup because of it it's so it's just so hard not to ruin the audio it's just the amount of <laughs> tear-inducing laughter oh my gosh oh my and it's it's halloween season too it's sp- it is spooky season. Oh my god! Right? Tell me it was Sam Darnold catching this. <laughs> Salutations and welcome to the Trash Turtle Fantasy Podcast. Now, whether you've tuned in from Spotify, iTunes, maybe a tin can on a string. Or maybe that guy on the bus seat across from you is broadcasting us over his speakerphone. I just want to thank you today for tuning in. I I don't even know. I don't even know what team it was. All I remember was like, like a ghost was on the field and caught a touchdown. And like it was, and I was like, "Whoa, what was that?" And then I looked, and my opponent had an extra roster spot that this ghost was in. I got, I got to ask though, like, are we talking like Star Wars ghost, 
with you know their you know no it was like it was like a casper ghost oh. like that's what it was like on the field but like for some reason i was really scared in this this nightmare and i woke up and i was like that was fucking or that was super weird you know what i mean like Oh. oh my god. Okay, hold on a second. Let me get a tissue and dry my eyes here. Uh, <laughs> Don't make fun of me. <laughs> no, uh, after the day I just had, that was what I needed to. <laughs> you needed something like that? <laughs> that was refreshing. I I don't know. I, like I said, I have weird dreams. I have weird dreams all the time. The weirdest stuff. I don't know what they mean. Some sleep psychiatrist out there needs to examine my dreams because that that was definitely a weird one. <laughs> you know, some people say that nightmares are your your biggest fears, and you're getting ready to face them by, <laughs> you know, by reliving them in the you know not reliving them, but you know, teaching experiencing your, them. Yeah, without without uh, actually having to. Does this mean that? You are just so involved that this is what dominates your psyche. This is... I, I think that's what it means. Oh, my gosh. Well... Like, my mind is so fantasy-oriented that it's all that I think about. You know, I gotta, I gotta say, though, I kind of relate. Like, what person is like, <laughs> man, effing Monday night just, like, ruins... <laughs> coming out of Sunday you're like man this looks good for me and then in coming it then Monday night just comes in and it's just like bam nope yeah yeah I think but I think you took it to the extreme there and it's a it's the appropriate season for that too so yeah it was just it was just weird it freaked me out I was like man that's weird and I don't even I don't even play like in a lot of managed leagues like in this this year I mean like maybe like three redraft leagues three dynasty leagues and like a little over 150 best ball leagues which aren't really leagues they're really just drafts but yeah like i don't know it it was weird (laughs) it just freaked me out but i can't believe there are that many but actually i can't believe it (laughs) oh i had a lot of time i had the time so but regardless uh you know, how have you been? What have you been up to? Oh, nothing. Well, actually, I was in Nashville this last weekend. I was visiting some family. Um, had a had a great time. Took my kid to the Nashville Zoo. Um, I'm almost kind of sad that I didn't do it this coming weekend because the Titans are playing the Bills, and I definitely would have gone to go see them had yeah. I, you know, been in the been in the area at the right time. Um, no, that makes sense. But not, I mean, other than that, you know, just getting ready to move to a different part of the country. What about you? Uh, I've been good. I've been, I've been a little busier than I usually am. It's kind of why I'm working on this sleep schedule and everything like that. Uh, just, you know, keeping busy. Um, my week, we, we usually record these on Tuesday nights or, you know, Tuesday in the middle of the day. And we're actually late uh, today. We're it's Wednesday. We're recording. Uh, that's my bad. I'm I'm a failure. But um, yeah, no, just keeping busy. You know, doing work, things like that. But uh, let's let's uh, let's talk a little fantasy here. I wanted to talk a little bit about 
an interesting situation that I, I a few people on Twitter have pointed out. I know Christopher Bean was talking about this, and I've seen some other people talk about it. That Lamar Jackson is sort of on this like MVP type pace right now. Yeah, he, he really is. And if you look at the numbers, they definitely reflect that. But one thing that I specifically was focused on is less about the rushing upside and everything like that. But I, I think the passing work has been very promising. Um, and, and in particular, I, I looked up the road of his screener. Uh, I, I put in my filters as weeks one through five as as we're through, and I threw in the past four seasons of Baltimore, and of course that's going to include that 2018 season where Joe Flacco was throwing a lot. I think he had two 50 attempt games in that time period, but in 2019, 2020, and 2021, those were all first five games by Lamar Jackson, and one thing I notice is he's actually on pace to throw more than he's ever thrown before. Um, and you know, you don't need a rocket scientist to tell you that, but I went ahead and checked on, um, uh, uh, rbsdm.com, which is Ben Baldwin's website, um, runningbackstonematter.com. And I went ahead and checked about the Ravens early down passing frequency over this past four years. And they're actually at the NFL average for these past few years. They're finally at this year. They're at the NFL average. The past few years, they've been bottom of the league bottom five this year they're actually you know at the average which it doesn't sound like a lot but we're talking about a greg roman led offense which is usually 32nd or 31st in passing attempts which it has been the past four or five years this year it's actually at 22 in passing attempts and you know like i just said those early down passing frequency it's at the nfl average i find that very interesting what what's sort of your take on I don't know you, you are a Bills fan so you know Greg Roman so what what's your take on this situation is it Lamar is it the offense as a whole what do you, what do you think Well, I think based on the draft capital that they put into their offense coming into twenty twenty one that we were talking about it in the pre show, um, you know bringing in Rashad Bateman and just Sammy uh Sammy right yeah um and and Duvernay to an to an extent too um I mean those those pieces are you know kind of a, a signal yeah maybe a because what what did they have before they had uh Marquise Brown just Brown um and they had and and you know Mark Andrews uh was there anyone really of note last year? I think we had Willie Sneed maybe last year. Uh, you know, you 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 juxtapose the 2020 receiving core and your 2021 receiving core, and it is a. I mean, you ask any average fantasy footballer, player, or manager, and they're going to tell you that's quite an upgrade, uh, just just by virtue of looking at those pieces. So I think the writing was kind of on the wall that they're like. This is a direction that we really need to move into, which I, I'm happy to see because, you know, you, you almost feel like, well, they had so much success on the ground in 2020. That's great. Uh, I mean, how many how many different ways can you get around the, the box being stacked before, you know, the rest of the defenses just catch up and be like, we've seen it all, man. Like, 
<laughs> you know, you're you're gonna you can only get away with that trick for so long before you need to start opening it up a little bit and and giving those defensive coordinators a little bit more something to chew on and and to work around you a little bit. I think that that's the direction that they're moving. That's what it looks like to me anyway. No, I I, I agree. Um, I I definitely. You know, and we, we you're gonna have people that are gonna be like, Well, Bateman's not even playing and, and Sammy Watkins isn't even, you know, doing much, he's not getting a lot of targets. But really I, I think it shows the investment, right? That that going into the season, they were planning to throw more. That's what it tells me, right? They went out and got Sammy, they drafted Rashad Bateman in the first round. They have you know, they they have they have three, but really I'm gonna say two first round uh, wide receivers because I don't know Sammy is you know older and he's not playing maybe like a first round wide receiver anymore right. but you know they have two realistic current first round wide receivers on their team and if that doesn't tell you that they wanted to pass more going into the year I, I don't know what does right and it seems to me that their running game obviously it's not working as well, which obviously we didn't predict that. That's probably a contributing factor as well that their running game isn't working as well. Well, but is the but and a pessimist might say that that's because they lost all their starting running backs. All right. Oh yeah, for sure. And so perhaps in in direct response to that, they're like, okay, well, hey, we still want to have a successful year. This is going to be the direction that we go now, and so. What I want to know is, was this the direction from the start or is this in direct response to the just nightmare situation, no pun intended, pun intended, Yeah. Uh, <laughs> situation that they have to deal with with the running backs. So I am actually really curious. I really wish I could crawl into their heads just for like a moment just to know the answer to that question. I, I, I'm going to opt. I'm always going to do this, by the way. I'm going to opt that it doesn't, that the running back situation didn't affect it that much. Because I generally just opt towards the idea that running backs don't influence these things that much. But it's also Greg Roman and, you know, John Harbaugh and everything like that. Maybe they're sitting there going, maybe they think it matters and therefore they are deciding to throw more. Right. I will throw out there a very interesting, you know, little stat also from uh, uh, rbsdm.com, running backs don't matter, Ben Baldwin. Um, also... Their early down passing frequency and and the drop back EPA number are first in the NFL. The drop back EPA number per play right now is first in the NFL. So when they are passing, they are really putting points on the board. I mean, we just saw it against Indianapolis when Lamar in that second half, and he's just marching down the field every time, you know, Andrews, 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 yeah. four times in a row. And then, you know... Marquise Brown in the end zone and then Mark Andrews for a two-point conversion. And it's like, wow, like they made that look really easy. And it's like those things, they clearly have practiced and put work in this offseason to pass more. That That's my take. I, I think that they have really wanted to pass more. And and that's, a, that's just a thing that I think occurs when you have these Russian quarterbacks that you we realize, hey, we have to actually protect this guy. We need to protect our investment. 
And, you know, I, I think that's something that we're going... I haven't looked into Josh Allen too much yet, but I would guess that Josh Allen's probably going to maybe slow down a little on the rushing, you know, maybe not, you know, take those big dives. I mean, you saw... You, you may have seen the quote. Aaron Rodgers told, I want to say, Trevor Lawrence. He's like... Or Joe Burrow. He told Joe Burrow, he said, uh, listen, you're too talented. You need to slide, right? <laughs> and I think a lot of these rushing guys, these young guys trying to prove themselves, they're, they're going to start progressing as passers as time goes on, and, and teams are going to start realizing, hey, maybe we need to protect these guys just a little bit. We're not going to take away the scramble ability that they have, right? Mahomes, his bread and butter feels like his scramble ability, right? You wouldn't think of him as like a Josh Allen type of runner because he's not. But, you know, maybe they move away a little bit from the rushing quarterback moniker and instead they're just really great scrambling quarterbacks, right? A little Russell Wilson-esque. I wouldn't even know if Russell Wilson's necessarily a rushing quarterback anymore. Maybe he's a scrambling quarterback. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, one's guys that can keep plays alive with their legs a little bit and then, you know, in a pinch, they can they can get the extra yards for the first down. Um Speaking of that, yeah. and it, I just, I, it is a very conflicted amount of uh, love for this, but I saw Josh Allen hurdle another dude. Uh-huh. Oh, God, he's got to stop. And I was like, please stop doing that. Please, 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 please stop doing that. Uh, don't ever do that again. <laughs> but at the same time, I was like, what a thing to do on national TV. All right, so vindicating. So. It's how I feel when I see Mahomes do some stuff, right? Like, I, I'm a Chiefs fan, right? I grew up as a Chiefs fan. And Mahomes will do stuff that I'm like, man, that was really awesome. Please never do it again. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, protect yourself, man. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Like, let's let's be smart here, you know. So um, I, I got I got two I got two things for you that are kind of related to the to the quarterback stuff. Okay. First, can you name me the only quarterback that's currently playing in the league? That with 50-plus games... Well, there's 32 of them. <laughs> 50, okay. not it's. I didn't say it was necessarily a starting quarterback. I said it was playing. Oh, okay, okay. So... Okay, sneaky. This quarterback started 50-plus games and has no recorded pick six. Oh, wow. You, you messaged me about a, a pick six question earlier, and I was wondering if that might come up. And no. Oh, wow. So they play, They have played 50 games and have no pick sixes? Yes. Started. And, and started. They started 50. Okay. And no pick sixes. Um, wow. So 50 games. So I'm thinking, guys, that have been in the league since at least 2000 and like 17 ish so it cuts out like lamar cuts out josh allen um cuts out baker so it's probably a like decently kind of older guy um not super old cuts out um this might be a weird guess but he, he's kind of one of those middle of the, the like age gap quarterbacks that I could think of. I, I'm just going to throw out, give me, give me two more guesses after this, by the way, just for fun. Is it Russell Wilson? Nope. He's a little too old for that. Okay. So, so he was a little bit older. Um, let's see. Other one, man, what division could this be? Um, 
could it be this is going to be a weird one as well maybe but he doesn't throw a lot of interceptions so maybe it is him is it Derek Carr it's not for your final guess I'll give you this hint he's not on the AFC or NFC how about that I'll it'll be a better get our better uh okay, okay he's not on the team he was drafted on Oh. And it is cross organization. I, I, okay, then I, I'm guessing. Okay, so there, there's only one name that pops out to me here. And that, and I, I don't, man, he does throw ins, so this feels a little weird. But is it Carson Wentz? It's not. Oh, he, that's right. Oh. Carson Wentz did, did go across conference line. It's Mick Trubisky. He's played 50 games. He started wow. 50 games, and he's never thrown a pick six. You know, that makes sense, because in my head, I had crossed Mahomes out, but Mahomes didn't play his first year, so uh, that, that I get that. Okay, that's a cool one. I like that. That's an interesting stat, and I should have guessed it as a Bills fan that that would be something you'd pull on me, it, but that's a good it one. Actually, like you'd you think that it was because I'm a Bills fan. It actually just, I happened to just come across it in my look, my searching for the pick six stats around it, um, but it was not. That's really interesting. Was, that's really interesting. Um uh then my other the other guess the other thing i wanted to ask you was um can you name the quarterback or quarterbacks that non-rookie leading the nfl currently in interceptions this year 2021 so far this year nfl leader in interceptions that's not a rookie nfl quarterback or quarterbacks so it could be more than one. Will you tell me the number that it is? Six. Was that? Yep, six. six. Okay. Non-rookie. Uh, so I'm pretty sure Aaron Rodgers only has like two or three. Um, then again, he threw quite a few in that first game. I knew I knew he's thrown like, I think, two in the past like four weeks. And then I know he threw two in that other week. So I think he's at four. Uh, no, he's, he's 10 and three, I think. Yeah, something like that. Uh, or 10 and 4 maybe i'm not sure so it's not him i knew he had thrown quite a few um another one that i'd like to say that it is is i'd like to say it's taylor heineke but i don't think he's played enough games so that that doesn't particularly add up. i didn't say um, there was a, a, a game starter requirement yeah but i i don't th- i think i would have remembered if he's thrown enough picks in the small amount of games he started to know that it was him. So I don't necessarily think that it's him. It's not Davis Mills. He hasn't played enough. Um, what division? It, it's probably someone that played the, the Cowboys. So you're, you're close. Both Ty- Taylor Heineke and Davis Mills both have five. Okay. So I was right that they haven't. They probably haven't played enough. And I'll save you the trouble. It's not Jameis Winston. He only has three. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, I'm, Jameis is. I like watching Jameis, so uh, I didn't. I was pretty sure it wasn't him. He's also not thrown that much. Uh, for sake of clarity, let's go with. I'm just trying to think of who's played. Is it Jalen Hurts? No. And okay, I don't know what he's at. He's pretty far down on the list. I wasn't oh, sure. I he's knew at he's three. having a good year. Yes, Jalen Hurts okay. is having a very good year. Yeah. Okay. G- give me the conference. How about the or the, the division? In, the NFC, AFC. Which one? Uh, there are two in AFC, and there's one in NFC. Okay. Oh, you know who's had kind of a bad year? Is it is it Ryan Tannehill? 
Ryan Tannehill is at three. Gosh, I'm terrible at this. Okay, Ra- so Ryan Tannehill has to here. throw in order to throw interceptions. Okay. Yeah, that's true. That's that's very true. So I am gonna go with one more guess. Uh, Atlanta Falcons. Matt Ryan. He throws a lot. No, it's not. So who is it? Okay, tell me who they are. Okay, drum roll, please. Uh, it is currently Sam Darnold. Okay, I wouldn't have expected that. Joe Burrow, which that is actually so. It, That's surprising. It's well, the problem is, is there a lot of them weren't his fault. Well, I, I say it's surprising because right now in my head, I'm envisioning Joe Burrow's been reasonably low volume this year. He has been. So I, I, ha- I didn't imagine him as throwing enough. He's been very things. efficient too. Just he's had a couple of. Um, yeah. like unlucky things. So, for example, this the Green Bay game. This is why I was looking at the film. The Green Bay game, uh, right towards the end there, he threw an interception, right? It was supposed to go to Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd just stopped running his route. Just stopped. Oh. And Burroughs just threw it where he was going to be, and Tyler Boyd just stopped and looked at him and was like, oh, crap, I was supposed to be there. You could see it, like, look on his face. So, it's stuff so who like were the others? The, the last one is uh, Pat Mahomes. Oh, Huh. Yeah, he, he's had such a... The whole Chiefs offense has been so questionable this year. I mean, it, it's not been phenomenal, really. The running game's awful, as kind of I expected. I don't know, CEH kind of underwhelming, as as I sort of figured. Um, but it, I don't know, they've had some really weird games, it feels like. You watch them and you're just like, what's going on here? Sometimes I feel like they're just getting too cute with it. And I don't know. Well, it, it's interesting. And the reason why I bring it up is because I think in, uh, I was looking at another stat, because I was looking at a lot of interception stuff recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought five weeks of data was, you know, okay. Um, and what, what, what really... What really stood out to me, though, is that Mahomes had, I think, five interceptions in 2019, and he had six in 2020 or something like that. And he has six in the mm-hmm. first five games here. So all I'm doing is saying, like, we did a – we did a, are, are you a fantasy owner that's panicking? Um, not going to lie. You know, it's Pat Mahomes, right? But, you know, it doesn't exactly, like, make me feel very good about owning him right now. Well, what I'll say is, and this has sort of been a thing. I mean, keep in mind, he is QB1 right now. Yeah. Right? Keep in mind, he is QB1. I mean, I'm just going to throw out there. For the most part, interceptions don't actually matter that much for fantasy, especially in six-point passing TD leagues if you're in one of those. Like I said, you know, he's thrown six interceptions. He's also thrown 16 touchdowns. One thing that I've always sort of thought was weird about the Mahomes fantasy discourse, right? And this is coming from, you know, I'm a Chiefs fan, of course. I don't even have that much Patrick Mahomes in fantasy. Mm -hmm. But one thing I've always thought was weird is a lot of people are like, oh, Mahomes shouldn't be QB1 in Dynasty. And I I can see an argument for it and they're like you know he was only qb4 in 2020 he was qb7 in 2019 you know blah 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 etc etc and it's like with mahomes going forward right we're not expecting a repeat of 2018 where he was that absurdly efficient and everything like that but really you're not getting him for that absurd ceiling as much anymore you're getting him for the consistency right, right. it's kind of like aaron Rodgers at his prime right you weren't really getting him as dynasty qb1 because 
you expected him to finish as QB one every year. You did it because you expected a top five a quarterback every year. Right. Uh, so Chris Harris talks about this a lot where he's like, Hey, my rankings don't indicate where I think they're going to finish. My, my rankings yeah. indicate the order in which I would want to start them based on all factors considered. And so those are two very important and distinct ideas that it needs to be drilled down into people's heads that that is very, very, very different concepts. It's all about ranges of outcomes, right? right? There are certain quarterbacks like, and I don't mean to, you know, trash on your guy, but like Josh Allen, for example, this year, some people were saying that, you know, he should be the dynasty QB one and everything like that. And it's like, yeah, he's QB four, but you know, he had kind of a slow start to the yep. year. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of, you know, questionable if he had two sub, you know, 17 point games in a row. And it was like, it, it, we should be thinking about these things in ranges of outcomes, right? Mahomes' ranges of outcomes are very small, right? It's basically QB1 to QB6-ish, right? Every year. Like, that's probably where he's going to finish. And some of these other guys, their their ranges of outcomes are just going to be a little bit wider, right? Yeah. Like Dak Prescott, Justin Herbert, right? Their ranges of outcomes are just going to be a little bit wider. What I'll say is, and I've hated this, and this is a slight rant, but fantasy pros rewarding this accuracy rating in their Ah. rankings. I hate it. There's no reward for predicting end of season finishes. Like that's not something to be incredibly proud of, right? Because we just mentioned that we should be thinking about these things in terms of ranges of outcomes. I, I can't stand that award. And if you've won it, I mean, congratulations. You played, a, I think you played a different game than maybe what fantasy is meant to be. Yeah. Maybe you should go or not play the lottery. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Predicting finishes is just you know, a nightmare. And like, I think there's a lot more luck to it than anything. And it's not what you should be trying to do to be successful. A traditional managed fantasy it, is predicting finishes. The more I play this game, the more I realize that there's just so much out of your hands. So, yeah. And I mean, you, you see like, you know, that, that just goes down to, we shouldn't be trying to beat ADP. You know what I mean? Right. I, I don't believe that beating ADP should be the goal. It's like, oh yeah, you know, I drafted X wide receiver at wide receiver 30 and he finished as wide receiver 22. And it's like, is that, was that a huge hit? Like, is that, is that really something that we should be, it did that really lead you to an excessive amount of wins or, or really added wins because you beat ADP by eight spots in the twenties, you know, I, I don't necessarily buy that, I guess. Are you tired of playing fantasy football the safe way? Do you play but feel the other 11 players in your league aren't talking about you enough? When you get a new hobby, do you feel the need to explain it to every single person in your life and make it a part of your personality? Then a zero RB draft strategy may be for you. With zero RB, your teammates will be flocking to your DMs asking things like, do you want to trade for a running back? And are you okay? Is this a cry for help? Zero RB is the perfect way to shift the focus of winning fantasy football to instead get everyone talking about your draft. Ask your doctor if zero RB is right for you. After, of course, you explained it to them when they didn't ask. Let's get into the meat and potatoes of what we came here today now that we're 30 minutes into the recording. 
<laughs> so we wanted to talk today about fringe running backs. Who are we holding? Who are we letting go? And uh, kind of look at some of the metrics that Boots and I are looking at in terms of dis- making those decisions because you might be able to find some value there. And so we're talking guys like the Cincinnati running backs. We're talking about the uh, Jerry McN- McNichols, uh, Kenyon Drake to an extent, right? Damien Harris and James Conner. I think those are going to be the kinds of guys that we're looking at, right? So guys that are on the fringe of relevance. And so the kind of guys that you can have make actionable trades or actionable waiver wire pickups or something like that, right? Stuff that is actionable. You're not mortgaging a house to get yourself Aaron Jones, right? This is guys that you that may be able to approach that production. So yeah, we we spent a lot of last week talking about high value touches, a, a very important running back stat in in my mind. I think you're a little convinced after that episode that it's a pretty valuable stat, right? Um, and I'm going to reference it quite a bit here. I think it helps. I think it helps uh, paint. It's a portion of the puzzle that helps kind of bring the whole picture into focus. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So let let let's start. You you mentioned the Cincy running backs. Um, I I felt when Mixon went down that there was not going to be a lot of value in the Cincy backup running backs. Yep. I looked at Joe Mixon. He was not getting a lot of high-value touches, right? He yep. only had 13 on the year. He was getting some green zone touches, and that's great. But the thing is, that's not really Joe Mixon's bread and butter. He's not one of those bruiser-type guys. He should be getting receiving work, and he, he just really wasn't getting as much as you really would hope, Yeah. right? Yeah, he's no, normally if he's getting that red zone, green zone touch stuff, it's going to be he's going to run out the backfield off the right side, catch the ball five yards out, run into the end zone for the last five yards on the edge, usually maybe diving yeah. for the pylon. That's usually what you're seeing. Exactly. 87% of Joe Mixon's uh, yards so far this year were trap yards, which we mentioned trap yards are yards that are just in that area of the field that just isn't that valuable, basically not the red zone. They're not receiving yards. And so I was going into the Joe Mixon injury saying, there's no one I want. But we sort of saw something really interesting, specifically with Smaj P. Ryan, where he suddenly was getting targets. Yeah. I think he got five targets. And that was really strange to me. And I, I didn't understand. I still don't particularly understand what happened there. So I had to kind of reevaluate. And I thought, you know, maybe they view Samaj P. Ryan a little bit differently than Joe Mixon. And because of this, maybe P. Ryan does have value. So that was a bit of a miss on my part. What were you thinking? Well... I remember, you know, it's, it's strong in my mind last year when this happened. And, uh, you know, everyone still probably got some PTSD about the Mixon thing from last year. And it doesn't take a genius to pull up the stat sheet and say, you know, take some sort of, you know, monster amalgamation of, you know, part Pirine, part Geo from last year and be like, well, you know, this is, you know, probably this is the ride you're in for. Um, I think that Geo is just a much better back in general than Pirine. Um, so, you, and the stats and usage at that time kind of reflect that. I think he had what, one good game last year. He had a single good game, like put up 27 points or something like that. So then you, then now you come into 2021. Joe Mixon is, you know, some might argue predictably hurt, 
okay? And so now you have P. Ryan stepping into the Joe Mixon role. The problem is, is that he's not Joe Mixon. Um, and so I actually spent a fair bit of time uh, watching all the film for this last game here. Uh, I'll just kind of give you my notes here um, and, and tell you what I think. So first and foremost, um, he was directly responsible for uh, Burrow getting sacked twice. He missed a block. Ryan? Yeah, Peter Ryan. He okay. he missed a he missed a, a blocking assignment mid first quarter. Got Burrow sacked. Uh, he's uh, let's see. The other one was second mid quarter. Burrow got sacked again. He's a pretty tough. He seems to be a pretty tough runner. Like he's hard to take down, which you know is something that he could very well be coming into that bruiser aspect. You know where Joe Mixon might lack. Uh, but I, I agree. He's 240 pounds. When I when I've seen him, I think downfield runner guy kind of guy. Yeah, he kind of plays like it too. Although what's interesting to me is that he is he he. <laughs> I don't want to call him routes, but he runs out of the backfield off to the right every single time, just like Joe Mixon <laughs> catches the ball in the same place and does the same thing. The only problem is he just doesn't look that graceful. Now, he doesn't. Look, well, I shouldn't say that. He looks less graceful than Joe Mixon does doing the same thing. Yeah. So, um, and he just, he's not as explosive. You're right. He runs into the guys as opposed to trying to make a miss. Um, you know, it, it's okay. Right. Like he's clearly, he's clearly producing. Um, he's, he's getting your high value touches. He's doing the same thing, except he's, he's being used as a workhorse. I mean, the only other guy that would really probably try to eat into his production right now outside of mixing is going to be Chris Evans. And, as much as I really want Chris Evans to be a thing, Chris Evans is not a thing. Um, a lot of promise, right, dude? Um, let's see. He he had a great sophomore year. Then he had some sort of academic thing that held, held him out for the year. Um, and then I think he – like he his final year, he just was not the premier back and then got drafted in the sixth round, right? So he's got – Amazing bars, by the way. Just want to put that out there. He does have amazing <laughs> bars. Uh, so he does have the foundation, at least, for production. But, I mean, I don't think Cincinnati has the trust in him yet, and I don't think he's been developed. So, you know, really, it's, as much as I don't – I don't even really like him, but Perrine could be okay, right? Is If Joe Mix is mess, missing time, he's kind of already putting up the stats. He's getting the receptions. He's getting the high-value touches. He's actually producing – he might be a good candidate for a good fringe RB. I, I hate to say it, but it, I kind of see it. Yeah, I can definitely say that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what the situation is. I think it's weird that Mixon goes down and suddenly the rest of these guys, like it, the craziest thing to me is that Mixon goes down and Samaj AP Ryan got more targets than Mixon has had all year in a single game, right? He immediately got five targets and it was like, what the heck is going on here? Why is that happening? Right. So I, I don't understand what's going on there. What I'll say, I, I was wrong about P. Ryan. I thought he wasn't going to get high-value work because Mixon really wasn't, and he seemingly is. So I, I, I firmly have Samaj P. Ryan as a hold. I might consider starting him as long as uh, Mixon is out, and I don't know how long that's going to be for. Um, another person we mentioned was Jeremy McNichols. Yep. If you talk to me at all during best ball season, I was definitely buying into... Um, uh, Darrington Evans, uh, I know Eric Bynford, I think is how you say it, uh, was talking a lot about him. 
I was kind of buying into some of that. That receiving work was interesting to me. Right. Uh, but, you know, Jeremy and McNichols currently have 17 high value touches. I think a lot of those came from one particular game where he maybe got like 12 targets or something, something crazy. Like, yep. It was like, what's 12 targets, here? eight catches, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if that was the game maybe where uh, everyone was out. I don't know if that was that game. I, I'm not entirely sure. But yeah, I, I don't think he's repeated since then. I mean, it's going to be kind of interesting to follow going forward. I, I know he got two, literally two targets the next game, yep. but I, I thought he was decently productive with those yards. I, I would call him a hold. 12, 12, receiving 12 targets in a single game is a pretty interesting thing. Maybe not a consistent thing that you're going to see every week, but maybe you know you start getting desperate at running back. And maybe he sees eight targets in a week and suddenly you now have, you know, 10 points from his receiving work. And you're going to call that a W because you literally got him for free. Right? Yeah, he's kind of like another, like a J.D. McKissick 2.0 to me in a sense. So um, I, I, I watched a bunch of film on him uh, his first four weeks. I don't didn't watch the fifth game yet, uh, but he's got pretty good contact balance. Not no real explosion underneath him there um pretty much all he does is run underneath from the backfield uh but interesting thing i did notice is that every single time he's on the field the ball's coming his way the, the oh, okay. this guy oh, well at least from what i saw okay this guy is is not blo- not doing any kind of pass blocking or he looks like he's about to do a pass block but then he just like shoots the gap and then is looking for the catch right out the gate okay um, he's got decent vision and, uh, he's got, he's got okay hands. Uh, he doesn't have great hands. There's a couple of instances where Tannehill kind of threw it in his vicinity vice into his right into his hands. Okay. Did not like, he's not unable to, un, un, unable to pull in the ball one handed in a couple of situations. Okay. Um, and, uh, he definitely seems kind of raw. Seems like he like could use a little bit of refining because his foot he just doesn't seem like he has the football sense you know that like that sixth sense in, on the field he, he he doesn't exhibit the that kind of feeling to me so for what it's worth well what's what's interesting I went ahead and looked at the snaps he's he's blocking on about ten percent of his snaps which is about the exact same rate that Derrick Henry is blocking right. Um, and so that, that, that's actually, you know, not bad. He's getting his proportionally, he's getting more receiving work, uh, when he's on the field than Derrick Henry is. I find that interesting. I like the JD McKissick comp that, that kind of interests me. I, I kind of like that you threw that out there kind of makes me sort of like him more. Uh, he's, he's only, you know, done a tiny bit of, uh, as, as I just said, 10% of his block right now are pass blocks. He's quite poor at it. His PFF grade in pass blocking is, is, is very poor. Um, but I'm not particularly worried about that as he's only done it, uh, you know, right. 18 times. That's, that's not a lot. We'll, we'll see what happens. Um, his, uh, High value touch per snap is about 0.15. Shout out stealing signals, rotoviz.com. But yeah, his high value touch is uh, 0.15 per snap, which is pretty good. That that's, that's about what we, you know, that's a, that's a good number. That's more than Derek Henry is actually. Um, And so I, I find that interesting. Um, 
I, I think I'd, I'd call him a hold. Let me, let me ask like you this. If you, let's say he was on the way to Roy right now, would you rather have him or Tyson Williams? Uh, probably him. Yeah, Tyson Williams. I recently dropped Tyson Williams across a few different leagues. Um, I know that there's a little bit of like a trade rumor potentially going around him and Marlon Mack. The only situations that potentially that he could land in where he be, they become fantasy relevant is probably, say, like Kansas City or something like that. And even then, they're going to be splitting the backfield with J- Jet McKinnon and, and you know, Daryl Williams. So I, I'm not particularly interested in those guys as the sort of, oh, they might get traded somewhere better. And it's like, is there really better running back situations than the Ravens in Indianapolis? Right. Like, I, I don't yeah. particularly buy that. So I've actually been dropping Tyson Williams in a few places right now. Um, so... Okay, um, I I don't mind keeping McNichols if you have him. I'd say keeping him is probably good. I that's what I think. I think he's probably the fringiest of fringe RBs, though. Just for the record. Um, okay, what about Kenyon Drake? I don't have. I mean, I don't really need to watch very much film on Kenyon Drake. I already kind of have my mind made up on how he's doing. Um, Okay. Yeah. Right. Not. I. I don't think you're getting the value that you put in an ADP for him, though. Um. You know when when you know like I said I I don't particularly necessarily believe in in beating ADP as a measure of you know things like that. But you know you got him in like the late ninth tenth area. Um. Obviously something weird's going on there now. Um. With you know, it's it was weird to me. He got all these targets in the first few weeks, and I was telling everyone how excited I was yeah. and everything like that. And then suddenly, you know, two weeks in a row, he's not even getting snaps. He's not seeing the field. He's getting out. Peyton Barber comes in and gets all the you know the rushing work and receiving work when Josh Jacobs is out. I was so confused. You know, he played eighteen percent of the snaps last week. I don't know what the heck's going on there. I'm now officially a little bit worried. I I mean, if you were a zero RB guy and you were getting those five and six targets for those first three weeks, you were ecstatic. Now I'm a fair bit more worried about what's happening. I don't know. It's weird to me. He was number 25 in high value touches right now, getting almost no goal line work whatsoever. Right. I don't know. I don't know how to interpret it. I, I think you could probably make a pretty easy and compelling argument that he he's drop worthy, and I, I wouldn't even argue with you that much at this point. I'd say if you can if you can maybe get one good game out of him and try to move him, that's probably what I would do. I, I'm not entirely convinced that anyone's going to like be looking to trade for him unless they're like a zero RB person, kind of like I am. You uh, could, well, because you got Bar- Barkley's down. Someone might be looking for, you know, a, a, a band aid for a little while, right? If you get, yeah. if you can get something good out of, out of weeks, oh God, I shouldn't say this without making sure they're not on buy. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know. <laughs> I, I will say I They're did go and Denver. check. Oh no, he he is getting uh, some pass blocking work and some run blocking work, and he's doing exceptionally awful in those things. So that that could be a definite contributing factor there. But let's move on to someone else yep. that I, I was pretty excited about going into the year, and now I'm far less excited about, and that's Damian Harris. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's ever like a poster child to receptions matter. That it's probably Damian Harris right now. 
what what are your thoughts on Damian Harris? My thoughts are he's so far off my radar that I just don't have an opinion. I do you think he's he, he's definitely rosterable? Like you, you are rostering him, right? sure, but they keep putting Brandon Bolden over him in the depth chart kind of thing. And it's like what the heck? Like I personally, I just have a rule. I just I just don't draft any. New England running back not named James White. That's just that's yeah. just my rule. Is there value perhaps to be extracted from there? Sure. Is this also the guy that tried to buy into the Indy running back uh, game and the Baltimore running back game? Like, am I definitely being a hypocrite? Yeah, a bit, yeah. Um, but, you know, people, anyone's going to latch on to whatever new hotness RB that Bill Belichick is going to roll out and feature that, that, game and i simply just am going to opt out of that carousel is he rosterable sure um that that i mean but that should just go to show you like how much like i actually care about that backfield and he's listed as the number one now okay i guess sleeper is doing its thing um but yeah so he's got two touchdowns he's got no receiving work at all after getting what's that about an average of two targets a game Right, two receptions a game, um, and it, it's just not exciting. No, I mean it looks like he's on the he's on the field for an average of about forty nine percent of the time. So over the last five games, it, it, it's uh, you know he's getting forty four percent of the snaps, eighty percent of his yards are trap yards. You know those just aren't good. You know those are unexciting. They're not important. They're not contributing that much to fantasy. That's just what it is. Yeah, I'm. I, I think he's rosterable. I do. It's just it's just not exciting to me. And you may think, oh man, it's really weird that you know you think Kenyon Drake's rosterable, but you're debating more on Damian Harris. But like I said, you know Kenyon Drake was getting you know six targets a game or whatever. But I feel like this is more of a right. sit start question and yeah. less of a rosterable question. That's true. And, and he, he's definitely rosterable. It's just the receiving work is just disgusting. Um, I, I did go ahead and, and pop over and did double check. Uh, his pass blocking is abysmal. Um, Damien Harris? It, yeah, Damien Harris. Pass blocking, abysmal. He's an amazing... Probably, I, I think he is their best true running back. I, I do think he's, a, he's an actually great running back, but his pass blocking is abysmal. So you'd say that he may not be doing his job. Yeah, and he, he's he's pass he's pass blocked something along the lines of you know a little less than fifteen percent of his snaps. So uh, the other person that we you know said we were going to talk about was James Conner. And, you know, a, a huge, you know, and this is like a DFS thing. You, you see people, you hear people say this thing, but uh, the thesis of the play <laughs> is what they'll, they'll say. What does that mean? The thesis, the thesis of the play, right? So, like, when you write a thesis, you're like, hey, this is the main thing, right? This is what we're going to I understand about. the thesis you know? part. What Like, what play? Like, the play of football or, like, the play of your, like, choosing? The thesis of being in the James Conner. Like, if you were into James Conner, this was your reasoning, right? Oh. This was the thesis of the play. And the, to me, the thesis of the play for James Conner was always red zone touches. I always said Kenyon Drake vacated. Didn't say that. I didn't say the word. I didn't say the word vacated. Um, um, to me, the thesis of the, the play was always that James Conner 
was coming into a situation where they were using running backs a lot in the re- the green zone. And currently, James Conner has 10 green zone touches. Mm-hmm. Those are touches within 10 yards of the end zone. They're a little bit better to look at than red zone touches. And his green zone touches are currently at 10. For perspective, Derrick Henry's at 14, right? And we you, can, you, you don't have to be a genius to go look at James Conner's you know, box score and you go, yeah, he's only getting red zone touches. The past three weeks have shown that mm-hmm. where, you know, he's getting 11 touches, 10 touches, whatever, two touchdowns. And he is, you know, I hate YPC as a stat because it's, you know, more about the team that you're on right, and the offensive right. line and the usage of all of that than the running back themselves. But it's quite clear how they view James Conner as this short yardage specialist yeah. back. And that's how they're using him. This, if you were a James Conner person, I kind of was. He came in, and you know that's what he did. He took over short yarded situations, and he's done a great job at it. I sort of, I sort of thought that James Conner was always being drafted, basically, kind of at his floor, basically in the the what the what seventh and eighth round, right? That I figured, okay, if James Conner comes in and takes over completely he's going to smash that and he's going to be a top 15 running back next year right but or that this year but he didn't come in and he didn't take over the backfield completely right but he's still paying off that's the thing is he's still paying off yeah and as long as he continues to pay off i i still feel like you're sitting there and you're going i i got good value on him purely because he's doing well in these short yardage situations. Is that particularly predictable? Eh, maybe not. I will say he is number five in green zone touches, like I said. Yeah. So you should be quite happy with the work that he's gotten in short yardage situations on the goal line. And you would think everyone would say, oh, Kyler's going to run that in. He doesn't, and he hasn't historically. Um, but it always, it just feels that way just cause it's like when you don't want him to run it in is when he does. And when you do want him to run <laughs> it in, that's when he doesn't. So it's like, it just feels that way. Um, I, listen, I, I actually kind of agree. I, I agree with you on James Conner. Um, I don't even really like James Conner. Um, but in this situation, like if you're wondering like, Hey, I got to fill the second flex spot and I need some upside this week. Well, you know, we're getting into bye weeks, folks. So <laughs> you may not have a choice. Uh, but, you know, is it someone who I would probably stick in there over like a second tight end or something like that? And why are you washing a second tight end and not a T tight end premium league? <laughs> what is wrong with you? Do you need help? Uh, but, um, no, I I can see that. I almost kind of equate him to being your really high variance running back that, He's high variance because it's not because he's like, is he going to see the usage or not? It's more high variance of like, is he going to be able to actually reach the the end zone when they're using him in the green zone kind of thing? And they're not just going to opt for the, for the field goal. And I like that more than the, are they going to just get use him at all? So, um, you know, I think that, that usage is volume and volume is king and, and and especially in that zone i think you know eventually it's going to work itself out and you're going to ha- you're going to be happy with the result uh you know what i start him over someone like um definitely not oh, what what's a, what's a tough choice here would you start him over to- tyler boyd 
Uh, no. Well, uh, no. No, I wouldn't. I'd start Hollywood. I was going to say, this could be a whole topic on its own, but Jamar Chase is getting a lot of these massive, huge touchdowns, these God, you know, 50 it. yard plays and stuff. And it's awesome, but this is a great buy low opportunity for guys like Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins because those sort of explosive plays aren't particularly predictable week to week. And if we sit there and we consider, and I'm not the first one to talk about this, I know the guys, Ben Gretsch and Sean Siegel, talked about this on Stealing signals this week uh so you know go listen to that for a better breakdown but um they sort of talked about that those sort of plays aren't going to exactly happen every week and when those aren't happening drives are being extended in other places and that's going to be tyler boyd and that's going to be t higgins so i i wouldn't start him over over them would i start him over samaj p ryan yes would i start him over damian harris uh yeah Probably, based on just where Damian Harris is getting touches right now, I'd probably start him over Damian Harris. I'd actually start Pirine over Connor. I think. Interesting. I don't know that I would. I but then again, like I said, I wasn't huge into Connor before or Pirine before, so maybe I'm just carrying that bias over. I, I'm going to end this one with James Connor. Great pass blocking. Great run blocking. Uh, maybe top in the league at his position at those things, which he's done uh, maybe 20, 25% of the time that he's on the field, he's doing those things. Now, before we end, I want to play a quick game. Usually we play a stats-related game. Today we're not. I'm saving a few different stats for special episodes where they relate a little bit more. But today we're going to play a little game called Offense Mashups. Okay? Yeah. And how we're going to play this is you... And I will both do it. Can take an existing team in the NFL and they can add two components from any other team to create the perfect offense. And those two components can be a head coach, an offensive coordinator, or two players. Okay. Mm -hmm. And they can just automatically add that component to this team. So I assume you're going to choose the Buffalo Bills, but I'll let you uh, I'll let you decide. I assume you're going to keep Dable. Yeah, yeah, um, I like Dable right I, now, yeah. And I assume you're going to keep McDermott. So what yep. two components would you add to the Buffalo Bills to make them an unstoppable offense? And this can be from any NFL team right now. Aaron Jones and Tyreek Hill, easy. Aaron Jones and Tyreek Hill, I love it. I mean, that's that that that's awesome. I mean, that's exactly what I would imagine that the Bills need. So that that's great. Yep. I'm I, going to choose the Chiefs. Yep. Oh, go ahead. You know, you know. No, you know easy. what? Do you want to explain yours? We don't need to. Yeah, I mean, yours is easy. Yeah, yours is easy. I'm going to choose the Chiefs. Um. Uh, let's see. Who would I choose? Um. This is an interesting one. Because there were so many interesting, there were so many preseason that almost happened, um, and you know, even though he got hurt, I, I'm still gonna throw this one out there. And this this one's not gonna be as popular because someone's gonna be like, "Oh, you should just add DeAndre Hopkins or something like that." But I'm gonna throw out there because I think this fits the Kansas City offense in what we need. And even though he's hurt, I don't care. You know, this is just a hypothetical game that we're playing. I'm going to throw Juju Smith-Schuster as the wide receiver, too, for the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm -hmm. There's nothing we need more than someone like him. And I think he's talented. You know, he's talented. He's just not a true number one guy. And when there's other talented guys around him, he can make plays. I think he's a great route runner, things like that. So 
I definitely think he would flourish in the Kansas City offense, which he almost became a chief in this offseason. So that would be one. You know, someone's going to say, oh, you should have said Michael Thomas or something. I I chose one that's a little realistic because it almost happened. The next one I'm going to say is I'm going to throw out there another one that almost happened. I know this seems like cheating, but I'm going to throw out there Trent Williams at left tackle. I know we have a true stud as Orlando Brown at left tackle, but Trent Williams is literally like the best left tackle in the entire league. He's an absolute monster. He was voted NFL top 100, number 23. I thought that was egregious. I, I thought literally he's a like a top 10 player in the NFL, honestly, because he's literally the best left tackle in the NFL, which is the most important position in the NFL. You throw Juju Smith-Schuster and Trent Williams on that KC offense. The line is taking a massive step forward, even though I do like Orlando Brown. He struggled a tiny bit this year. Trent Williams, still a certified stud. You throw Juju on there. I, I think that uh, just immediately elevates the offense. You know what? My other my other team I was going to talk about was going to be KC. And the yeah. two I was going to choose was going to be Trent Williams and then um, Derrick Henry. Oh, see, Derek, yeah, that would be cool. We wouldn't give him the volume, though. That's the only thing. You don't need to. You just need the running aspect. Yeah, that's true. You know, and and since we didn't say a coach, I'm going to say a coach for a different team. Throw Joe Brady or Kellen Moore on the Cincinnati Bengals. I I feel like the Bengals are just like a a little pile of untapped potential that you could just – Zach Taylor's ruining it. I don't think he's ruining it. I think he's just he's getting there. And I no, I I agree with you. I mean, as you could honestly, there's 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 a couple of other pieces that you could just kind of borrow it because honestly, they kind of already have the players on the field. I throw Joe Brady and and an offensive lineman probably. But oh, that's right. I keep thinking that they took Sewell, but they didn't. They took Chase instead. Because yeah. we talked about it endlessly that we yeah. wanted to go there. But, okay. Yeah. That's all right. Uh, I like this game. Regardless, Let's, wait, where, where, what, what were you saying? Sorry. I, I like this game. Uh, let's mm-hmm. let's do this more. Because I think, yeah, I think we'll it'll play, be interesting we'll play, to see how it evolves over time, too. Yeah, and we can play a different version of it. We can play a defensive version of it as well and see what we come up with there because I know we're not great defensive guys and this might force us to be better at that. Uh, Speak for yourself. um, Okay, well. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, as everybody knows, I'm a huge Jesse Bates defender. You know, I think he's a great player, the most underrated safety in the entire NFL, so... That's that's my favorite defensive uh, player to talk about. But regardless, we're we're coming in on an hour mark here. Oh boy, um, I can. Uh, Lord knows I'm going to have fun editing this one, but I can tell us where we can find you. <laughs> so you can find me on Twitter at dr trash dad. That's Doctor Trash Dad, or my website trash dot farm. Boots, what about you? You can find me at Twitter at Boots Fantasy. Um, I recently had some funny memes. Yeah, they, they got viral. No big deal. Um, and you can also catch me on just in the in my usual Discord. So uh, it's good talking to you, Icon. I think that was fun. Got some interesting stuff in there about some running backs, ghosts, um, quarterbacks, yeah, sort of some offense. Plus, yes, quarterbacks. We 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 ended up talking a lot about quarterbacks. Oddly enough, playing talking about ghosts and quarterbacks. Who would have known? 
And we didn't mention Sam Darnold more than once. Right <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, all right, everybody. All right. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.